0: Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 145. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction audio magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Happy New Year's, everyone. I hope that your New Year's Eve was as free from violent, near-fatal giant boar attacks as mine was. Every day is a gift, people. Every blessed day. So, this week's theme pests. You know, pesky critters. They're everywhere, all around us, and they come in all shapes and sizes. Some ruin your tomato plants. Some dig tunnels around your front lawn. Some leave little turds in the cupboard, and some make your testicles itch and burn like the hot fires of Hades. Some are cute and fluffy, like ground squirrels and chipmunks and bunny rabbits. But a lot of other pests are gross and wiry, like possums, and coyotes, and Al Sharpton. Oh, shit. Dad burn coyotes getting all up in my chicken coop again and eating all my dad blame gum burn nabbit chickens. I ain't gonna stand for it, you hear? Gonna show that pesky varmint who's boss around here. (gasps) Huh? Al Sharpton? What the hell are you doing in my chicken coop? Christ almighty, why's there blood running all down your chin? Holy hell, Are you are you eating that chicken? That's an egg laying hen, and it ain't even fully dead yet. I have the right to have a view even if it's extreme. Well, that might be the case, but you ain't got no right to break on up in here and get all gorged on my domestic poultry stock. Uh, what do you think this is? Kentucky fried chicken? KFC, that's foul. What? Uh, oh, they're foul. Oh, I get it. Ha ha. Yeah, you think you're real clever there, don't you, Mr. Reverend Fella? Uh, waltzing up in here like you own the place, just doing whatever you feel like? Corporations like KFC can do whatever they want to chickens. Well, I don't give a crap. You ain't no KFC. You can't just break up in here and eat my damn chickens for Christ's sake. That thing's still alive, you sick son of a bitch. It's alive. Frankenstein Chicken. Wrong, asshole. Them's are Jersey blues. Ain't no such thing as no Frankenstein chicken. Frankenstein chicken. Yeah, oh, now shine, whatever. Those are goddamn jersey blues. Frankenstein chicken. It's a historic fact. You need to stop thinking you know more than God. You need to stop eating my damn chickens, Reverend. Their legs can't even hold them no, up. No, no, you listen to me. I'm going to give you to the count of three to drop your little Franklinstein there. Frankenstein chicken. No, you called him Franklinstein chicken. See, so you can't even remember. Frankenstein. Franklin. Franklin. Franklin, I heard you say it. By your 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 hallucination. Well, I'm sorry. I heard it. You're, you're not even listening. I have listening. the right you're... to have a view, even if it's a... True. Of course you do but what nobody you don't even know what you're talking about. Here it is. You still turned around and said I said when I told you I didn't say. Well yeah but, but Wait a second. What? That didn't make no sense. All right, that's it. Get the hell out of my chicken coop, you dirty varmint. Get <laughs> on out of here. It's travel time. Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words. Send yours into Drabblecast at yahoo.com. This week's Drabble comes to us from Ashley Nervabig out in La Jolla, California, and it's called Pest Proportions. Becca awoke to scratching in the wall beside her bed. Damn rodents, she thought. With an open palm, she smacked the wall. The scratching ceased. Becca snuggled deeper into her bed. A moment later, Becca's eyes flew open. A larger, harder thump had responded to hers. Pushing herself up, she put her ear to the wall and knocked twice. With a great crackling and splintering, a rat the size of a tiger burst through the wall of her bedroom, soaring over her head onto her bed. He turned his snarling muzzle to her, and prepared to fix the pest problem. Well, our feature story this week is called Varmints, and it comes to us from author Steve Lowe. Steve writes dark stuff, except when he doesn't. His fiction is forthcoming or has appeared in Drabblecast, Three Crow Press, Allegory, and a bunch of other places. Steve is also a sports writer for the South Bend Tribune and covers the Notre Dame hockey beat. In his spare time, he enjoys writing autobiographical blurbs in the third person. So without further ado, Varmints by Steve Lowe. Those damn raccoons were here again. I know it's raccoons. Rather easy to deduce, considering the scores of chocolate footprints everywhere. A mast around the Hershey's bottle, little claw marks around the cabinet door handles, on my NOAA data report sheets, even on my goddamn bassoon. Serves me right, I guess, for leaving it out like that, but it's the principle of the thing. I mean, do they think they'd be able to play it? Come on, you're a damn raccoon. But none of that matters. Now I know what needs to be done. It's time to take it to them varmints. Mama said, learn an instrument. When the pecking order in band class found its way to me, it was down to the tuba or the bassoon. I picked second to last, and I snatched up that bassoon like nobody's business. I felt bad for poor Philo, for about two seconds, but there was no way I was coming off that bassoon. I wouldn't have cared if it expelled noxious gas every time I played it, or if it was dipped in pink paint and sparkles. It was still better than a tuba. Philo got his ass kicked that very afternoon trying to lug that case home on the school bus. Poor Philo, we hardly knew ye. But I digress. We were discussing raccoons. Yeah, lock the doors, set the deadbolt, put out traps. It don't matter. They still get in. After the third or fourth time, I got wise. There was more at work here than simple hijinks by Procyon Lotor. This wasn't just figuring out the bungee cord hooked over the garbage can outside. This was sinister, diabolical. This was scary shit, man. The raccoons had a key. Now, can a raccoon take a house key and make an imprint in a bar of soap, then take that to a somewhat dishonest key maker's shop, then return with this newly fashioned counterfeit key, insert it in the slot, disengage the deadbolt and the knob lock, and gain entry into a domicile? A fair enough question, I think. And my answer? Yes. My proof? The sticky little chocolate footprints leading from the kitchen, down the hall, into the bathroom, and up into the sink, peppered around the light switch, and covering the soap tray next to the faucet. Oh, they're definitely smart but not quite smart enough (laughs) were they maybe a step or two higher on the evolutionary ladder they'd have enough sense to wash away their sugary evidence when they were done bunch of dopes but what to do about it what do they want why have they chosen to accost me Around every corner I see beady yellow eyes, and the burglar flash those little masked deviants. They're watching me at all times. Peeking around the dumpster, watching me come and go from my lab, around the fields, observing my experiments. I've taken to keeping my notes under lock and key, but obviously that is no longer enough since the little shits are accomplished safe-crackers. Each and every day, another weather balloon is gone, its mooring tether clearly chewed through, a wealth of meteorological knowledge lost to the turbulent midwestern breezes. I still receive readings for a few days after noting upper atmospheric conditions over god knows what state, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ontario. Now, I know, at best, these appear to be only minor annoyances, the mischievous deeds of nature's maladjusted miscreants, but a more sinister observation pegs these acts as motivated toward destroying me personally and professionally, making me responsible for several thousand dollars worth of government equipment, not to mention setting me up as an unreliable boob, unable to secure a simple knot. But my suspicions lead me to the direst of scenarios. This is but the first act of a broader offensive. A probing attack by an army of highly trained combatants perfectly suited for urban or rural insurrection. The first wave of a multi-pronged assault. Frontline insurgents of a terror war. I have been singled out for reasons unclear to me. Oh, but I will not shirk from my duty as a first response defender of freedom from animal aggression. However, my path is unclear. Do I take up arms and battle them in the open? Do I dare attempt to match their skills at guerrilla warfare? Exactly how the hell do you fight a pack of goddamn raccoons? Then it hit me. The bassoon the siren song of my baritone woodwind. Each night I played, the next morning I'd been overrun as rats to the piper's flute, so flocks the coon to my bassoon. Oh, don't you roll your eyes. I swear every word of this is true. This is serious. And I begin to prepare as such. To the porch I go, an extension cord and microphone and my SMG-137 singing machine karaoke system arranged before me, my Schreiber 25 key nestled along my thigh. The warmth of my old friend begins to set my heart at ease as I gird my loins for battle. I await dusk, and then I play. Blues and baroque, ragtime, swing, I play it all, cheaply amplified into the gathering night. The wedding march and anchors away, Wagner. God, how I love the booming intonations of Wagner. I'm dropping bassoon knowledge on that varmint ass, flutter tongue, double tongue, multi I am become Heckle and Alman Raider. I am Telamon. So swept up in my concert am I, I don't quickly notice the sets of eyes amassing along the perimeter of my home. They burn from the shadows, enraptured and unblinking. Upon seeing them, I pause, a heavy E flat hovering in the air like smoke. I rise and grip the long, thin reed assembly in my palm. A twittering grows among my agitated audience, the hypnotic effect of my instrument fading into the stars. Do your worst, bastard garbage eaters! I wrench the reed from my instrument and fling it into the trees. One glowing eye is extinguished and a shrill cry shatters the frosty air. A chorus of accompanying cries pierces my ears and the attack commences. I am beset on all sides by ferocious, masked creatures. One after the next feels the murderous thump of finely crafted maple and brass. I skewer my attackers upon my orchestral implement and fling their carcasses aside. Oh, they are large in number and sharp of tooth and claw, but ultimately, no match for this man and his bassoon. When it is over... I cloak myself in the dripping skins of the conquered. Their juices slush over my flesh, they wet my lips. I taste their roasted meats and rattle out dirges and marches upon my porch railing with their harvested bones. (laughs) I serenade the steaming pile of them with the battered remnants of my bassoon, its sharps now wheezing as dying flats. But this battle is far from over. His presence fills me, his arrival announced by the brassy blaring of his tuba, a bleeding call to arms.
1: The varmints are
0: defeated, but I now have discovered my true enemy, whose hand has guided these events all along. He reveals himself in the pale of the rising moon, and we consider one another in that deep breath before the headlong plunge into war. Hello, Philo. Well, that was our story. A little paranoid yet? Think of all the advances we could make in science with more funding and less raccoons. How about some story feedback? Exactly five episodes ago, we ran our 10th Trifecta special, which featured Invisibility for Beginners by Michael Swanwick, bubble surge from Froth by Frank Key, and Outside the Box by John Haggerty. Mixed response, which is fairly typical for a trifecta. Moon Owl said, eh, meh, Awesome reading and artwork, but the stories didn't have pop. Invisibility for beginners, funny, but it felt like a joke gone on for too long. Not a good thing for a short, short story. Bubbles surge from froth. I had to listen to it three times to even follow it. My mind kept wandering off. Trippy. And outside the box, nothing wrong with this story. I just had a feeling it had been done before. Zombies again. Getting kind of sick of those shambling peeps showing up. If we had an undead Rachel Ray, it would totally be a zombie media takeover. 20-minute meals with brains? Julia SD said, I loved invisibility for beginners. It was one big, long joke, but so are most TV shows, and they last way longer. I thought it was just the right length of time to get your imagination going. Picturing an invisible naked man trying to play pranks and mess with cashier's drawers made me giggle. I think the shock of the cashier alone would let him get away with it. Bubbles' surge from froth was trippy, but I like that the artwork reflected this story the most, because it's the most absurd of all of them. The language was gorgeous, and it was kind of beautiful how everyone stopped caring and started accepting that bubbles were just going to come out of their mouths, and it was just a way of life. It's also kind of scary when you think of how society might be like that. If it's not easy to change, it takes a lot of effort to get people to stop counting cows and start trying to cure the bubbles from flowing from their mouths. All in all, I think it was a good trifecta. What do you think about today's show? Join our forum community and let us know. Unless you're a carnivorous Al Sharpton, and then... Get on out of here, you hear? (laughs) Our 100-character TwitFix story winner this week is the PMS Avenger. This has already gone out in our Twitter feed. It's a story with a bleak future in store for many of us. Relief flooded Dr. Lai when she saw the first in-vitro baby and realized she'd never have to fake it for her husband again. Our awesome raccoon bassoon artwork this week is by Rodolfo Arandondo. Rodolfo codes, writes, draws, and all of that, but he's also made an open source RPG called Ten Thousand Words. He's a native of Earth, but he's hoping to relocate before that whole 2012 Mayan apocalypse thing happens, ever since he found out that one of the translations for Zitzimittel is Star Demon. Check out his awesome artwork at www.darkmirror.org. So that's our show this week. Remember to chuck us a donation via the support options on our website, Drabblecast.org. We could always use the help. Share the show with your friends, blog about us, write us a review wherever you pick up the feed. It's all so very appreciated. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't alter the show, don't go around selling it to people, and don't sabotage anyone's meteorological apparatus with it. Other than that, share it all you like. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you not to mess with the rats in the walls. The evening saunters to closing. The waitress turns chairs upside down. Piano player picks up his tip jaw and drink, and the bartender shouts last round. An hour ago this place was loaded.